Hey everyone, welcome to the Coastal Podcast. I'm Pastor Lucas Granger and want to say thank you for listening in. May this podcast bring some light to your world today. Enjoy grace and peace. All right, so this morning, Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews 11 and verse 1, if you don't have it, it will be on the screen. If you don't have it, it will be on your iPhone or Android in an app that you have, and that battery will fail at any moment. So you should have the written. Anyway, I'm old school, y'all. Well, I got them both. I got them both. So uh, Hebrews chapter 1, faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is evidence of the things we cannot see. I like how one translation says faith, the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things unseen. Have you ever heard this before? Do you actually understand it? Eh, let's be honest. Kind of. It's one of those things, you've heard it, you've heard it taught, and, and it sounds real good. There's like a certain poetry, the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things unseen. I kind of get it. I, it's kind of like faith. That's kind of how faith works. Like, yeah, maybe a little bit, you know? Um, to want to understand this, uh, it's kind of like that moment where I get around a bunch of guys and they're talking about cars and I act like I understand what they're talking about. I'm like, engine, tire, I don't know anything else. Or it's that moment where my wife comes into the room and she starts telling me all of the to-do list she has for me. I'm there, but I'm not listening. You know, and there's this verse, and it's there, faith, the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things unseen. Uh, faith, this prayer in the Bible, I think we find it in the book of Mark chapter 9. Uh, I love what this one gentleman does. He's, he's in this moment where his son is basically fighting for his life. He says, my son has the spirit. It'll cause him to fall down and convulse. And Jesus, if there's anything you could do for him, because I took him to the disciples and they couldn't do anything. And Jesus said, if you, ha- if you could just believe anything is possible, to which he responds like this. I believe, help my unbelief. I think one of the greatest prayers in the Bible, the sheer honesty, the sheer just like, no, I believe but I have all of this baggage too, because this has happened to him since birth. So we have years of history, years of, I believe that this could happen, I believe you can do it, but this has happened over and over and over again, and so while I believe, God, I need you to help my unbelief, because I have a whole backpack full of things that are telling me it's not possible. I know it's possible with you, but I believe, help my unbelief, faith the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things unseen. Faith, I believe, is a prerequisite to marriage. Because you said, I do, but you didn't know what you said, I do, too. (laughs) The preacher said, sickness and health and this and that and that. Yeah, yeah, you have no clue what you're getting into. The in-laws are coming over. Even if they don't come over, they came over. You will wake up beside. All of these things, it's this faith. And here's my goal for this morning as we talk about faith, this doctrine of faith. I want you to not walk away with just a better definition, but I want you to walk away with a more grounded understanding of the substance of it. A more grounded understanding of the substance so you can spot it at work in your own life, or maybe you can see some areas in your your life in which it's lacking, in which you can say, God, I believe, but help my unbelief. It's the, the rattling of the leaves 
as this thing that we can't see called wind blows through them. And we know it's there when we feel the motion on our skin. We hear it through, through the rattle of the leaves, and it's there. It's a present reality of a future and ever-present desire and hope. What do I mean by that? I have faith that my kids are going to grow up strong in the Lord. The substance of that faith is played out practically every day. The substance of that faith is played out when my child comes in and she's been reading the Bible and she says, Dad, I don't understand this. Can you help me understand this? That my faith is, is played out when I see my, my kids and my daughters and, and oh, yeah, there was an act of kindness there. Oh, she actually did clean her room. She can hear. It is possible. All of these things, there's substance of what I'm hope for. It gives present reality to a future hope. But it's just not on the days when it's all good. It's on the days when I think, ooh, is this child possessed? In the name of Jesus, something is wrong. Even on the worst days, there's still substance to this faith. Days when everything feels like it's moving in the opposite direction of your prayers. Why? Well, we get the answer shortly after here in Hebrews chapter 11. Because in this book... Uh, what, what the writer does is he begins to, to list all of these heroes of the faith, and he doesn't just list success stories, he lists failure stories. So it says there was those, and they conquered things, and they, they did these mighty tasks in the name of the Lord, but then there was also those that got sawed in two. There was also those that hid out in caves, and, and, and all of these things happened to them, and, and no one even knows their name. It was, it was just, and there were those. See, there's a list of names, and there's Davids and Jonathans, but then there were those. And it gives this whole big list. And then in 12, it says this. Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to this life of faith, let us strip away every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us turn with endurance, and let us in turn with endurance run the race that God has set before us. Now he says this. How do we do this? How do we do this? Why do we do this? We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiated and perfects our faith. Some translations put us like this, the author and the finisher of our faith. So, so, so why do we do it? How do we do it? Why do we, by keeping our eyes on Jesus, and he is the one who started this thing, and he is the one who will finish this thing. That's key. That's key to understanding faith because there's going to be days where it seems like I have this faith, but we're a million miles from where I'm believing we should be. And when you're a million miles from the prayer that you're praying and it doesn't seem like it happened, and year after year after year, you've got to know that your faith started with Jesus. He is the one who initiated this thing. He is the one that's doing it. He is the author and the finisher. You are not. In other words, this, our hope ultimately is in Christ. Our hope isn't in ourselves. Our hope is in Jesus. And what is the substance and the outworking of that hope? Jesus, his very life, the resurrected Christ, gives us that hope. But there are moments where you feel like a failure. Moments where you feel like I blew it. Somebody in here went out last night and got hammered. And you're in church this morning and you feel like a complete failure. And I can look at you this morning and tell you, God has a plan for you, and you are forgiven, and he loves you, and there's something better for you. How can I say that? 
not because I have faith in you, but I have faith in him. Come on, that makes all the difference. And so if you came into this room today and you feel like a complete failure, you feel like you've busted it, I'm telling you, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And so if you're beating yourself up because you did this, well, listen, the faith isn't in you. The faith is in Christ who is resurrected from the dead. Amen? You may feel like you're a thousand miles from your calling. I assure you, you only feel that way because our hope is in Christ. And what he put in motion, he will bring to an end. What is the evidence of this? The evidence is God will give you a peace that passes all understanding. The evidence is, is the, the wind blowing through the trees, and I feel him as we live and breathe and move and have our very being in him. I could Sabbath and I could rest in that fact. Now, it's easy to say. It's hard to do. Hence the prayer. I believe. Help my unbelief. I believe. Help my unbelief. But what the world tells us is something completely different. What the world says is, you've got to believe in yourself. Come on, you got to believe in you. That is the worst thing I think I've ever heard. Believe in you. Man, I can't even get my kids to clean their room. How am I going to believe in me for all of these things that I'm believing God to do? I can't figure out how to get my kids to brush their teeth. I mean, just come on, just... Pulling, yeah, well, how's, how's it going to work? Believe in you. I think actually a better answer is this. It's when you come to the end of yourself. When you stop believing in you. When you stop thinking that you are the author and the finisher of your faith. When you stop thinking that you are the author and the finisher of the destiny of your own life. And you put it into the hands of God. The place where you are in complete need and say, God, Christ, only you can rescue then you could feed his sheep. Then you could have a healthy marriage. Then you could change the world. See, it wasn't until he, Peter, I think, came face to face with this idea that, like, I thought I was strong, but I denied you. I denied you. I denied you. And Jesus, three different times, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? In other words, listen, this failure that you've had, it is not define you. I, I define you, Peter. I say who you are. And when I think at this moment, Peter just said, you know what? You're right. Only you know, Lord. I'm at the end of myself. There's substance to this. The substance in our lives. What we hope for will take substance in your life. What you hope for will take substance in your life. But here's the thing. Fear will do the same thing, too. If all of your life is dwelt on and imagine the, the fear in the worst case scenario, that fear will take substance in your life. Uh, did you know you could literally think yourself sick? This is diagnosed medical science. You could begin to freak yourself out and you could get so anxious and so upset that your body physically releases these chemicals from your mind into your body and you can think yourself sick. Man, that's a whole nother sermon right there. <laughs> See, fear will do the same thing. It will bring about the substance that you're fearing in your life. You're, you're overwhelmed. Oh, I just, I, I just knew they were going to hurt me. I, I, just, I just knew this relationship was going to end up like the last relationship. I just knew this church was like the last church. I just knew that this job was like the last job. What you're looking for, you will find. 
And some of us are just waiting to get hurt, just waiting to have disappointment, just waiting to have pain because we have all of this baggage. We have, well, they've done this every single time. Every church has been like this. Every time I put my hope in my friend, they stab me in the back. And what you're looking for, you will find. If you're looking, so the question remains, what are you looking for? Is your searching based in fear or in faith? Because it will take on the substance in your life. I want to give you two things this morning, two places in which we can get stuck. The first one, Genesis chapter 11. This is a a prerequisite to a well-known verse. Everyone loves Genesis chapter 12, where Abraham gets this call to step out in faith and to leave your country and your relatives and your father's family and go to the land that I will show you. But what happens right before this call is very important. In verse 27, we have a little bit of an account of Abraham's family. This is the account of Terah's family. Terah was the father of Abram, Nahor, and Haran, and Haran was the father of Lot. But Haran died in Ur of the Chaldeans, the land of his birth, while his father Terah was still alive. I will skip over to verse 31. Now one day, Teram, this is Abraham's father, took his son Abram, his daughter-in-law Sarah, and his son Abram's wife, his grandson Lot, which was Haran's son, and he moved away from Ur to Chaldeas. He was headed for the land of Canaan, but they stopped in Haran and settled there. I don't know if you caught that. So Abraham's father has a son. There's just three sons. And one of the sons is named Haran. And Haran dies. And so the father's heartbroken. And they set out as a family for Canaan. But they get to a town, and the name of the town is named after his dead son. The name of his town is Haran, and the Bible says they stopped there. They stopped there. How many of us have stopped in the place of our pain? has stopped in the place of, I've been hurt, I've been disappointed, and we pitched a tent in a place that was supposed to be temporary. He was heading towards the promised land. He was heading towards Canaan, and now all of a sudden he's a place that reminds him of the pain of losing his son. And now all of a sudden this is all he could feel. This is all he could think. It's the pain. There is pain in the promise, y'all, but that pain is never meant to keep you from moving on. Your pain, your loss, your disappointment, your failures, they don't define you. But the enemy wants you to get stuck there. The enemy wants to say, this is all that there is, this is all that will ever be. And and this father has a very real pain, a very real hurt. He's lost a son. I could only imagine the hurt in his heart. But you're not supposed to stay there. You're not supposed to just pitch your tent, and this is all there is to life. And he died in the place of his hurt. And I could give you countless examples of this, because you know people like this. You know people that 20 years ago, they got hurt, and they're still bitter. 30 years ago, something happened to them, and they're still, just every day they wake up with that, and there's that certain cloud about them that they just can't move past. You can look at some of your friends, your family. You can look at yourself. And the answer is simple. 
forgiveness. The answer is simply what Hebrews 12 tells us. Turn your eyes to Jesus because he's the author and the finisher of our faith. Are you turning your eyes to your pain or are you turning your eyes to Jesus? So first thing, getting stuck in our pain. The second thing, I want to read from 1 Samuel chapter 13. Saul is at war and he's gathered his army together. The other army is quite a bit larger, and this is what happens. Saul waited there seven days for Samuel. This is chapter 13, beginning with verse 8. Now, Saul waited there seven days for Samuel. He's waiting for the prophet to come. And Samuel had, had instructed him like this earlier. But Samuel did not come. And Saul realized that his troops were rapidly slipping away. So he demanded, bring me the burnt offering and the peace offering. And then Saul did this. He sacrificed the burnt offering himself, something he wasn't supposed to do. Now, just as Saul was finishing the burnt offering, Samuel arrived. Isn't that some timing for you right there? Saul went out to meet and to welcome him. But Samuel said, what is it this, that you have done? Saul replied like this, I saw my men scattering from me, and you didn't arrive when you said you would. And the Philistines at Michmash are ready for battle. So I said, the Philistines are ready to march against us at Gilgal, and I haven't yet asked the Lord for help. So I felt compelled to offer the burnt offering myself before you came. I felt compelled to take matters into my own hands which were contrary to the law and the orders in which had been given to me, because nothing else was happening, I'll make things happen myself. Come on, somebody who hasn't been there. And to which the prophet responds, how foolish. You have not kept the commandment the Lord your God gave you. Had you kept it, now watch this, the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. Whoa, but now your kingdom must end, and the Lord has sought a man after his own heart. Whew. The Lord has already appointed him to be the leader of this people because you have not kept the Lord's commandments. If you would have waited, but because of the fear, because he chose this fear over his faith, his, 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 his response was what? I'll take matters into my own hands. Isn't that what we like to do? See, this fear is being redirected. It's redirected. Instead of fearing God, it's, it's faith. instead of the faith in God, it's faith in myself. God hasn't showed up in time, so I'll do it my way. And so he, he redirects, he puts it, because after all, my, my, my troops are slipping away. And if you would have waited, the Lord would have established your throne by doing things in your own ability, your own likeness, taking it into your own hand. Here's the thing. Are we, are we taking matters into our own hands or are we seeking God? Are we seeking God and are we waiting on him? Power and influence is established on the one who waits on God. Let me say that again, because you need to write that down, you need to take a note, you need to put it on your mirror. Power and influence, the throne, is established on the one who can wait on God. If you don't know how to wait on God, you don't deserve to hold it. 
If you haven't learned what it is to know, no, God, unless you come through with this thing, I am not going to direct it inwardly. This is this establishing. God said, I would have established a throne like this on someone who will wait on me and do things my way. I'm not going to establish a throne on somebody who tries to take matters into their own hands the second things get tough. I know that's convicting, y'all, every single one of us in here. Deep breath. Because sometimes we look at this idea of, is it, is it fear or faith? But the thing is, that's not entirely true. It's not this, it's this black or white fear or faith, because the reality is your fear is an outworking of your faith. It's where your faith is directed will determine your fears. And so I have this fear because my faith is directed inwardly. And so because it's directed inwardly, I see things going in the wrong direction, and so I need to take matters into my own hands. Let me, let me make it a little more clear. Fear pointed inwardly produces anxiety. Fear pointed upward produces peace. Fear pointed, pointed inward produces, or, or faith pointed inward produces pride. Faith pointed upward produces hope. Pain pointed inward produces de depression and sorrow. Pain pointed upward produces comfort. Where are you pointing it? That's what we keep our eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. I love what the psalmist says in Psalms 34.4. He says this, I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all of my fears. So there's these fears that are having and to which the answer to these fears is what? Directing our attention, putting our eyes on God and seeking him. And so no longer my, my fears on this thing, my fears are on you, God, or, or my faith is in you, God. Faith then becomes the substance of my hopes and my dreams and desires, which in today's society then in lies another problem <laughs> because all of our hopes and dreams and desires often feel like they're shaped more like the world than like Jesus. We just, we just want and hope what somebody else has. We just start dreaming someone else's dream. Or we turn on the TV and we pop on Netflix and, ooh, that's what's popular, I want that. Or, ooh, this is what I'm supposed to want, so I'll, I'll take one of those. Oh, they had that, that makes them happy, I want that too. And so now all of our hopes and dreams and desire are now kind of pointed outwardly. What's popular on TikTok? Let's do that thing. This is one of the things I gotta be like, I love this about my wife because she cares nothing about what's popular. Like, she, she'll be looking at shirts and stuff. She, Ooh, I like this shirt. And it's like, oh, like, this, is, this, one's, this one's the style right now. I don't care. I don't care at all. I want this one. I'm like, okay, girl, you do you. Whatever you want. I was speaking to um, one of my friends the other day, and they were just talking about being at a crossroads. And, and, and well, if I go this way or if I go that way, uh, and if I do that, I can't have that or I can't have that. And I was like, who told you that? Who told you you can't? Who is the author and the finisher of your faith? You don't get to write your own story. He's writing the story. We just come alongside with the story that he's writing. Let me put it like, is it free will? Yes, but you don't have a choice. <laughs> what do I mean by that? I'll use my illustration. I use the other. It's like a dance. You're invited into the dance. Come on, my son. Come on, my daughter. Come on and dance. You could do this, but you don't get to lead. 
Jesus gets to lead. What's he say? He says, follow me. It's a choice. It's free will. You get to choose, but you don't get to tell us where we're going. Follow me. See, it's both. I'll be like, oh God, I'll follow you wherever you want to, wherever you want to take me. Just not that place. You know, you've had those moments. You get around people. I've heard this for years. It was like, well, I'm just afraid that like, if I fully surrender God, he might send me to some country far, far away from here. I might be living in some village in Indonesia or Africa or Asia. Like, I just, I don't know about that. And it sounds like, you know, oh, oh, you know, God. Here's the problem. You still think you know better. Do you not believe that you have a father who knows what's best for you? And if what's best for you is that village that's 10,000 miles away, you are going to be 10 times better off there than this comfort zone that you feel right now? See, you still think you know better. That's why there's this fear. Rather than directing to the author and the finisher, no, he's a good God who loves me, and if that's where he's sending me, that's where I'm going to be the most fulfilled, the most joy, because I know the plans and the promises and the things that he has for me. Come on to give us a hope and to give us a future. So God, if you want to take me from this place and move me to that place, God, I know it's what's best for me. Let, 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 me, let me tell y'all, this is my faraway land. This is my village out there somewhere. See, because I was perfectly content and happy living in Indonesia, little huts, didn't have to mess with Americans that want to complain about what color the carpet is. All right? There was none of that because there was no carpet. Y'all, it, it was great. I loved being a missionary every minute of it. Didn't have any of these American problems. And then all of a sudden, God's going to be like, well, you're going to plant a church in Brunswick County. No, Jesus. No, no, no. Let me stay in Africa. Let me stay in like this. And, and for so long, it was like, but God, like, I'm so much better over there. I'm so much more effective. Muslims love me. Hindus love me. Christians can't stand me. Why are you making me do this? And it took a long time to realize, no, 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 God, you know what's best for me. Lucas doesn't know what's best for him. And so if this is the, the soil that you've planted me, come on, let's do it. And I tell you now, I have a blast. I, I, there's satisfaction and there's joy in this place that I once thought would be the furthest thing from what I wanted from God. I grew up, I could not stand church. I couldn't stand it. It was, it was me and my mom, and, and, and because I was the bastard child, I remember the way people looked at her and the way people looked at me. And I remember like, just thinking, God, or thinking, Mom, why would you want to go there? Why would you want to get around a bunch of these people that treat you the way they treat you? And I'll never forget her response, because there's a difference between God and the people of God. And she says, I've given my heart to Jesus. And at some point, I did the same. And at some point, we've all got to come over this pain, this hurt, and we've got to move on from it and believe that God knows best. It's a dance, but you don't get to lead. Have I not commanded you to be strong and courageous? Don't be frightened and don't be dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. So how do you do that? How do you just say, like, don't, like being strong and being courageous, he's not saying like you muster this up within yourself. You know, it's not this kind of fake, like I'll just work myself up and I'll be strong today. 
mean, they're literally getting ready to face armies that are way bigger than them. How do you become strong? And you recognize that it's the Lord that's with you. And the only way that we win this battle is the fact that God is with us and God told us that this land is ours. And since it's ours and God is with us, he could do it. And so we don't have to look to ourselves. We look to the author and the finisher of our faith. Come on, somebody. So have I not commanded you to be strong and be courageous? He is the one who makes you strong. He is the one who makes you courageous. And for this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of hands. For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and of love and of self-control. Come on, somebody. You just need to fan the flame this morning. You just need to feel that invisible wind blowing through you, and when you begin to fan that flame, all of a sudden, the leaves begin to rattle again. Come on, come on, worship team, get back up here. The leaves begin to rattle again, and all of a sudden, substance begins to take fruit in your life, and it's no longer the things that you were fearing, but now my direction and my attention has been placed in God, and I can be strong, and I can be courageous, and you can do it, Timothy, but you've got to fan that flame. You've got to wake up and realize, okay, God, I need you more today than ever before. It's redirecting our focus to a God that's calling us to a place that we're there and yet we're not there. The very thing that he's calling us to, and he says, just, just keep flaming, and as you fan it, the fire gets hotter and hotter and hotter. Stand to your feet with me. I have a few questions for you this morning. The first question I have for you is, are you going to die in Haran? Are you going to die in the place of your pain? Are you going to take that pain and that hurt and that sorrow, or are you going to keep moving to your promised land? Or are you going to choose to muster the troops and start the battle and and do the sacrifice and take everything into your own hands just because God didn't show up in the time that you thought he should? You just could be forfeiting the kingdom. It may be that God's getting ready to establish something, but he won't establish it with you putting it in your own hands. It could be that you're forfeiting your peace. It could be that you're forfeiting your miracle that might be just around the corner. The odds are your promised land is just on the other side of your pain. Your promised land is just on the other side of your fear. And what faith does is it redirects it. I will wait on God. He is the author and the finisher and the perfecter of my faith. And he who began a good work will see it through. The scriptures doesn't say, he who began a good work will then put it in my hands and then I'll see it through. He who began a good work will see it through to the very end to the day of Christ Jesus. It's not your work, it's his work and he will bring it into perfection. And this is the faith that we have. And so when we have a faith in which our attention has focused more on the fear, we come along the psalmist, we come along those in Hebrews 11 who are giants of the faith, and we redirect it to the God who resurrects the dead. Come on, somebody. 
greater is he. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things that are present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor heights, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. God, I believe. Help my unbelief. Let's pray. Lord, there's somebody that came into the room today. There's someone that's watching online that came to you like this father came to you in Mark chapter 9. And he's got a backpack full of past experiences. She has a backpack full of past pain and hurt and sorrows. And we've been dealing with this for five years, 10 years, 20 years. We've been praying with, we brought them to the disciples and they couldn't do anything. We've come to church week in and week out. And this morning, Jesus, we come to you. And you tell us, if we simply believe, I want you to think about that thing that you have faith for right now, but you've been carrying around the backpack with it. And if you were really honest, you'd say the same words as that father. I believe God, but help my unbelief. Lord, we lay that at your feet right now. You are the healer. You are the deliverer. You are the restorer. And you are the author and the finisher of our faith. And in Jesus, for all of the moments in which we've taken it, matters into our own hands. And we've been a part of trying to establish the kingdom of Saul. Lord, we repent. We'll wait on you. You're leading this dance. We're following you. You're not following us, God. We are your church, your body, your bride. Our lives are in your hands. If you're in the room this morning and you don't know him, may today be the day of your salvation. May today be the day that you say, you know what, I still have all these questions, I have all these doubts, I have all these fears. That's all right, God's okay with them. Just give them to him. Redirect that faith. Redirect that faith to Jesus. If that's you and you're in the room, I just want you to put your hand real high in the air. Say, that's me. And I need Jesus. Is there anybody this morning that you don't know him? All right, while we're still in this moment of prayer, we're in this month, who's your one? Lord, I'm going to ask that you bring to every person's mind someone in their life that doesn't know you. Someone that's far from you, that's, they've redirected their faith in another direction themselves and Buddha and Muhammad and the system the earth, the universe money power, fame Lord send us here I am send me 
You've identified that person. Teach me how to invest in them. Give me the words to speak. Jesus gathered his disciples and he sent them out on mission. And that's what we do this morning, Lord. We leave from this place and we go out on mission to a world that desperately needs you. We love you, Lord. Church, let's take a few minutes. Let's just worship together. Well, we hope this podcast has blessed you. In case you didn't know, we are in the middle of renovating a brand new facility right here in Brunswick County, North Carolina. So listen, two things. Please take a moment and pray for us. Also, if you'd like to give to the ministry, sign on to the website at mycoastalchurch.com slash giving. Hey, have a wonderful, wonderful day. Grace and peace.